This week on the Country Music Media Podcast. services like Spotify are a real big reason for the extinction of album reviews. Why read how someone wants to contextualize an album when you can just go listen to the dang thing for free? I used to do these one-word reviews on Twitter, and sometimes I still do them. It's part mockery of album reviews, but it's also a little bit of a challenge to sort of boil down the essence of an album into one single thought. Chris Stapleton's album was fresh. If you've listened to the two albums prior to that, you know what I mean. Welcome to the Country Music Media Podcast. My name is Billy Dukes, and thank you very much for returning for a new episode or finding the podcast for the very first time. Uh, check out a great interview with chart expert Chris Owen from last Monday. Some real insight into why great songs that seemingly have everything built up for them to succeed at radio sometimes go bad. Marin Morris and Lady Annabellum had two of those that we talked about in depth. An interview with Buddy Logan from Radio Texas Live, also very popular. Those are all in the archives. Things getting back to normal this week as we start to look forward to new music, and we're hearing about new singles from Tim McGraw, collaboration with Tyler Hubbard, coming very soon. Kane Brown teasing some new music. Chris Young also releasing his new single officially. It's called Famous Friends. It's already been getting a fair amount of radio airplay. And new albums to be released in 2021. Kit Moore's deluxe album is on tap. But on Friday, it's new albums from Aaron Watson, uh, American Soul, gets its release. And Morgan Wallen's Dangerous album is probably the big, the first big release of 2021, really coming on the very first official Friday of music releases. There are very few people that are capable of properly reviewing an album like Morgan Wallen's Dangerous, and even fewer who want to. And this really says nothing about the actual album and its relative worth. This is more about what goes into a proper album review. The truth is, the older you get, the better you get at album reviews. It's sort of this dying format in newspapers and magazines Grady Smith may do them the best with his video reviews on YouTube. I really applaud what goes into that because he's adding a whole separate, tiresome, time-consuming step to the process in filming and editing a lengthy video. I'd rather eat a bag of nails than edit video for an entire day. I rarely read album reviews, and I write them even less often because there's just not much of a market for them. I'm not reading them. You're not reading them. I know, you might say you are, and one or two people actually may be. I'd actually guess, in fact, this audience is probably a little bit more scholarly than the average country audience, simply because you you hang with me and you dig deep into some of these granular details of the country music industry. So there may be more album review fans listening than on average. But over a decade at Taste of Country, I've really watched the album review page views drop from mediocre at best early on to really just dismal. So unless I, I have something to say, unless I feel I can write the hell out of an album review, I let someone else take a shot at it or trust people to listen to it on their own. Streaming services like Spotify are a real big reason for the extinction of album reviews. Why read how someone wants to contextualize an album when you can just go listen to the dang thing for free? I think, too, the digital age has welcomed some pretty bad reviewers as well. If the album review is written in the first person, it's not worth much. And I'm talking about the written reviews here, because again, I respect what Grady does quite a bit, and his, his channel is very much focused on him. Literally, it makes sense for him to go first person, because we know him. 
but sentences in a review like, I don't like, or I loved how, this isn't the place to vomit your feelings all over the page. Another tip, if an album review chronologically goes track by track, it's not worth much. That shows a lack of creativity, and a lack of creativity speaks to the lack of understanding of creativity. Plus, there are just certain to be a handful of tracks on every album that don't deserve much conversation. I mean, these aren't necessarily bad songs. They're just not important songs. They're the bridges. A great album has the highs and the lows and a few plateaus that allow you to sort of catch your breath, take a sip of water before you move on. I personally prefer journalism that relies on what my idol Paul Harvey called shirt sleeves English. Although I admit to going out of my way to squeeze in one or two ten-cent words in each song or album review I've written. Hey, I never said I was good at these either. These long, sort of flowery overtures, though, that recall Renaissance art or the bridge on a deep cut from an artist's debut album and how it's connecting the chord... Ch- I mean, that's just, that's just showing off. <laughs> I don't want to know how the album makes you feel, but I want to know how it's going to make me feel. I think the best review I ever wrote may have been a tweet when I said that every Kip Moore album leaves me a little out of breath. Every single one. Do you need to hear anything else about Wild World? I used to do these one-word reviews on Twitter, and sometimes I still do them. It's part mockery of album reviews, but it's also a little bit of a challenge to sort of boil down the essence of an album into one single thought. Urgent. Wispy. Fresh. These are some of the words I've used before. I suppose I could wax poetic for like 500 more words, but why? Chris Stapleton's album was fresh. If you've listened to the two albums prior to that, you know what I mean. Album reviews are also tremendously time-consuming. And in this day and age of reduced staffs, that makes them rare. You need to listen to 9 to 15 songs several times, and I feel in several different places. How does Morgan Wallen's album play in a car? Or in the office? How does it sound at night? How does it sound in the middle of the day? Is it good background music? Can a song cut through on date night? I want to know all of that. From time to time, I'll get requests to review a newcomer's album. Uh, Someone with like 200 followers on Facebook will email. Damn, dude, I mean... You're signing me up for a full day work, and I just can't afford that. I will listen casually. I'll offer some feedback directly to that person. I think that's fair. And I think the other thing about artists who request an album review directly from a journalist is they're really just looking for a good album review. I mean, if I listen to it and say, no, I can't do it, dude. That's going to hurt. Or if I listen and then pan it on my publication, I mean, that's going to be devastating to a young artist's career. Give me a great song. Give me a great set of three songs. I can work with that. There's been sort of this conversation on Twitter recently about the importance of albums, and it's got surprisingly heated with some some pretty well-known people sort of weighing in, ready to defend the album to its death. And I think that's really short-sighted. People are, are still making great albums. They're just doing it for the sake of doing it, not because it's what's best in the long term. If you love albums, awesome. If you don't love albums and you just prefer hearing songs... Totally awesome. I mean, really, the LP, it was just a a tool for distributing music during a time when there are very few tools available. I mean, things are a lot different now. 
you might have 200 vinyl records in a record player. My four-year-old is going to smash that in an hour. I don't have that at my house. So this takes me back to Morgan's album, Dangerous, which I have listened to two or three times. And first of all, I really want to applaud Morgan for releasing a double album from a commercial point of view because his sales numbers are going to look massive. It's everything times two because it's a double album. That's how that works. Luke Combs likes to slow roll it. He'll release an album, then eight to 12 months later, release the deluxe version. So he kind of gets double credit there. That's a pretty smooth move. Morgan going for the home run. That could work out really well for him. That he's releasing it in January all but guarantees he's going to have the number one sales album of 2021. Another smart move. But very few people can kind of consume the 30 songs, kind of let them marinate, and then find a thread through all 30 songs and even keep any two or three of those songs separate from the rest of them for a reasonable conversation. Uh, NPR's Ann Powers and Ken Tucker can do it. Uh, there's some daily writers. Maybe the LA Times has a writer or two, some, some really talented critics that are capable. I'm guessing there's a Rolling Stone writer who can do it, maybe even one or two more here or there. Grady is likely to give it a go, and that sounds like way more work than I really want to take on my plate, but, um, you know, he could do a great job. I personally think albums are best when they're like nine songs. And nine songs is an artistic statement. Ten songs, maybe. Thirty songs is a damn speech. So all this said, will I ever bring an album review to this podcast? Uh, yeah, Probably. Sometimes I can't help myself. Plus, I do kind of like listening to album reviews when you're able to sort of mix in song clips. I enjoy that experience. That's kind of what I built this podcast on anyway. But I'm going to talk it at the end of an episode and not ask for an apology if you tune out. Not everyone wants to hear me ramble for five minutes on the new Ashley Monroe album. I totally get it. There's something to be said for doing the work just for you, though. When it comes to album reviews, that's kind of necessary. One more week without By the Numbers as the Billboard charts return next week. On Monday, it's Big Rick Daniels from Corn Country 100.3 who talked to Gary LaVox about his downtown Nashville bomb conspiracy theory. It's a conversation taped for the events last week at the U.S. Capitol building, but conspiracy theorists in general starting to look real, real foolish in 2021. Rick and I also have a conversation that amounts to a short course on radio interviews. I want to point out that the Grammys were moved to March 14th this past week due to the pandemic, and that could very much affect the ACM Awards and the voting for the ACM Awards. The ACMs are scheduled for April 18th. Not 100% sure they're going to be in Las Vegas or Nashville. They haven't said. Keep an eye on that story, and you can find an episode in this podcast titled The Real Reason Nobody is a Watching Award Shows for more on this topic and how these changes are all sort of related. Big thanks to Billboard for the charts, Taste of Country for the job, and Christian on Twitter at LadyLikeWillow. She's been real supportive of the podcast, and I certainly appreciate that. She especially enjoyed last week's episode about the good songs Gone Bad with Chris Owen. That's actually been my top episode to date. Rate and review the podcast. Subscribe where you can. Follow me on Twitter at Billy Dukes. And join me on Monday for episode number 23 of the Country Music Media Podcast. <laughs>